This show is proudly brought to you in partnership with Adreno. Shop with our sponsor Adreno at spearfishing.com.au and use the code NoobSpear at checkout and you will save yourself $20 on all purchases over $200. You'll be able to enjoy $15 flat rate shipping Australia-wide. Adreno is the biggest dive store in the world and they stock a massive range of gear for Spearos. They've got mega stores in Brisbane, Sydney and now Melbourne and they have over 60 underwater experts in store and it's a no-brainer. Get into Adreno and shop with our sponsors at spearfishing.com.au. G'day guys, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast with Shrek and Turbo. Today we are interviewing possibly one of the nicest guys in Australian spearfishing, Travis Corkin, who is the owner-operator of Neptonics Australia. We do a deep dive into all things blue water spearfishing hunting equipment today, which is pretty interesting. But um, before we get to the interview, just want to go over a few shout outs with my man Turbo. Yes, that's right, Shrek. I just want to give a quick shout out to a few people on Instagram. I want to say a shout out to Cameron Gall. He got a uh, great trout down in Sydney, which is a bit crazy. Bisho99, he's chasing craze up in Bundaberg. Chris Alameda sent me a great story on Insta about a massive GT that he shot. And I just want to bring your attention, we're writing a quick guide to ciguatera poisoning. So I just want to say thank you to Amalia Condi for working with us on that one and also Nick Blythe. And if you have a ciguatera story, um, we'd love to hear, hear from you. So you can email me, um, Turbo at Noob Spiro. Uh, that'd be fantastic and really help us out with that resource. Cool. I had a couple of shout outs today for iTunes reviewers. So thank you, Stuart Dooley, for your review. Stuart Dooley and Billy Bob V from North Cal. Both of these guys are US listeners who have written us some phenomenal um, reviews. We've only just got hold of all the US reviews, believe it or not. So we just we got a ton last week. It was really encouraging. So thanks, guys. Richie M, he writes, just discover this podcast and I am a big fan. Good stories, lots of info, and not just for noobs. Keep up the good work, guys. So cheers for that, Stuart. Uh, also, just wanted to wish you good luck to Manny Bova and the Australian spearfishing team yeah, who are headed nice over to girls. Greece. Good luck, guys. Take on the world. And also my Kiwi brothers over there in NZ. Talking of Kiwis, Harlem Ratapu had a featured Legend. Bit, featured bit on Noob Spiro. He was our community vid of the month. Harlem's got a really different um, filmmaking style. He's just really about the spearfishing life. And uh, yeah. I'd really encourage you to go and check it out. He, he tells a completely different story than you're used to from spearfishing videos. So his YouTube channel is called The Rogue NZ. So head along and check yep, that I out. I love those, Harlem. Keep them coming. Cool. Uh, right, about the rest of the interview, Turbo. What, what about what else we got about Trav? All right, mate. Well, Travis Corkin. Travis Corkin. From Neptonics. From Neptonics. Hey, Travis is our blue water expert, so uh, might just uh, fill you in on a few of his exploits over the years. He's. Uh, we'll start with the 21 kg Wahoo, a 40 kilogram amberjack. He shot a 45 kilogram yellowfin tuna and a paltry 81 kg dog tooth. Yeah. So, uh, if so, he knows how to test gear, if anyone knows how to test gear, it's this bloke. So, uh, yep. really looking forward to that. And so, g'day, Mrs. Corkin. Thanks for listening as well. Awesome to have you along with us. <laughs> <laughs> as promised, Travis. And, uh, oh, hey, guys, last little call to action. Uh, go to noobspiro.com, sign on to our email newsletter. Uh, we're just about to release a brand new book on Amazon and you guys will get it free if you're on the newsletter. 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. It's a legitimate book by 
Turbo and I, along with all of the guests we've had on the show, we've kind of distilled down all of the best tips into 99 tips to get better at spearfishing. Sign on to the newsletter now. Thank you. Without further ado, here is Travis Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to share awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water and that's why I started spearfishing. I just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet and I'd never had a battle like that before in my life. But when you're learning where to hunt and find fish, they're the hot spots, it's where fish want to be. Don't overcomplicate your gear, don't go diving dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started off in stubbies with a bloody belt with a pig knife on it. And I've seen this big fin break the surface, roll into the water, look down, here's this nice big great one. <laughs> Once your face hits the water and you feel relaxed and all the other stresses of life seem to disappear. It's a whole new world that's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh yeah. So g'day Nilburs, the uh, g'day <laughs> listeners, listeners of the New Spiro podcast. Today we've got uh, the Australian owner of the Neptonics brand here. Uh, he's a contributor to the SDM magazine's IFSN Spearfishing magazine. He's got a significant blue water experience, and uh, we'll get into that a bit later in his veteran's vault, but he's also travelled uh, Fiji, California, Panama, Mexico, Indonesia, and all over Australia, and he lives right next door to Peter Kespi of Kez Spearguns, so he has a bit to do with him, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this interview for quite a while. G'day, Travis Corkin. G'day, how are you? Not too bad. Good, Trav. Thanks for uh, coming on the show, mate. If we could get a little bit of background about you and where you got started and uh, and what you were shooting when you started spearfishing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I um I moved to I started spearfishing probably 15 years ago. Um, I, my parents moved up to Port Macquarie from Melbourne when I was only three months old, so they introduced me to the ocean, you know, at a fairly young age, you know, doing nippers and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, I guess when I got my license, I started to adventure around a bit more, you know, like we had some awesome camping grounds around Port Macquarie, um, you know, Point Plummer, up to Hathead, Southwest Rocks and, you know, even down south. So, yeah, you know, when I got my licence, I started camping a lot more and surfing and, and then that's when I sort of started, you know, my love for the water and um, started spearfishing. Yeah. So you spent a bit of time um, doing some surfing as well, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Port Macquarie is really well known for the bodyboarding. And, um, yeah, there were some great waves around Port. You know, it didn't matter if it was blowing nor'east or, or southerly. You know, there was always waves. So, yeah, um, and, what, and what fish were you chasing down there when you, when um, you did get in it? Yeah, mainly when I started, I was diving the estuaries. Um, there was a creek called Limeburners Creek, so that ran off the Hastings River. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to dive like the entrance to that creek, and there was a whole bunch of um, oyster leases that ran up and down, ran up and down there. And we used to time it with the tides. We used to go in with the run-in and that used to take us down the creek and then turn around, shoot a bunch of, um, you know, blackfish, flathead, brim, you know, whatever. And then... Yeah, nice. Flathead safari, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then, um, you know, once the tide went still and turned around, it used to take us back to our cars and jump in the car, back on the ferry and and, and back on home. So, no, it was was a really good setup there at Port. Um, we had some really great headlands we could dive around and and as soon as I started to dive around headlands, probably one of my first first dives, I went down um, to a local headland and me and my mates were out there diving, you know, carrying on as you do and I swam into this big cave and um, it was the first time I went in this headland and it was just a bunch of these big, big silver things and I was just like, what are they? Anyway, I was trying to get my mates, 
you know, trying to get their attention because I, I needed help sort of thing. And I don't know what they were doing. They were off somewhere else. And so I've gone in there and I've like deliberately shot high. I was like, if I hit one of these things, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like this is going to just, you know, just tow me around. And anyway, they all they were all bolted underneath my legs and took off. And anyway, I, I didn't know what they were. So I got back on the headland. And we just got out of the water and I was sitting up there with my mate John and um, – and I was just telling him about how these big silver things were in this cave. And anyway, down from behind us, this little fella came down and he was just wearing a pair of jeans and, um, and like, no shirt. And, hey, fellas, how you going? Like, did you see any Jewfish? I was like, oh, man, no, nah, didn't see any Jewfish. But seeing these huge silver things sitting <laughs> And uh, his eyes just lit up and he's just like, oh, do you mind if I borrow your gear? And so he ended up taking John's, John's stuff and, um, John, we had really basic stuff, really basic stuff, you know, um, you know, just the undersea gun and, and we we're just oh. using body, bodyboard um, flippers at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, um, yeah, Andre, oh, his name was Andre. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he whacked on the fins, um, took the gun and anyway, I followed him and he was watching me and he was like, what are you doing, mate? I was like, I'm coming with you. And he's like, oh, he pointed down to a cave and he's like, you just jump in there and you just stay there. And, um I was like, yeah, mate, yeah, 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 yeah no worries. So, and then, and then off he off he went. He he, um, he went off, and um, I don't know where he went, but I was still waiting for a fish to come out of his cave, and it just never came out. <laughs> so then, yeah, I jumped back on on the headland, um, went up to the car, and John was still up there. He's like, mate, where's my gear? I said, oh, I don't know. This this guy's just taking it. <laughs> it was probably another fifteen or twenty minutes later. Up, Andre comes up on the other side of the headland, and with these two big um, silver things. <laughs> I was like, what are they? And he goes, they're Jewfish, mate. And, um, and yeah, that's when I sort of realised there was bigger fish out there to be speared than your old blackfish in the river mouth. So um, Andre come around for barbecue that night and um, he's definitely been, you know, a person that's um, taken me under his wing and he taught me pretty much everything I know today about spearfishing. So, um so your yeah. first first experience with him was just shirtless diving in a pair of jeans with borrowed gear. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. A, that's about as awkward and as alpha as it gets, I reckon. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, um, you know, like everything happens for a reason, sort of thing. So, yep. so he was a, he was a big mentor, and I mean, what were some of your obstacles starting out? Uh, yeah, Andre was definitely my mentor. I definitely looked up to him. There was another two guys that were really good divers, um, Simon Ladder. And uh, Toddy DeGraff. So, you know, I looked up to those boys a lot. And, you know, for years and years, I was just diving for them. And I wasn't um, trying to put myself out there like like I thought I would. I was just more hanging back and just watching them. Um, and I think that's when I picked up a lot of the stuff that I know today, you know, just hanging back, watching them dive, watching how they dive. And I think the biggest thing with me was to get um, to the bottom, like um, bottom time and and like depth was the biggest thing for me. So I used to like plan out my dives. If I was on the surface in eight meters of water, eight, 10 meters of water, and I used to pick like a rock and, um, and plan it and go, right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hunt fish until I get down the bottom and then I'll get around on the other side of that rock. And I think that really helped for my breath hold and, and bottom time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. cool. That's a pretty systematic yeah. sort of approach. Um, okay. And, um, I mean, we were just chatting with a guy recently and he was talking about how urgent, um, you know, young guys are to take on greater and greater depths these days. I mean, how fast did you start taking on depth um, 
were you diving eight to ten metres for quite a while? I mean, how did that sort of look? Yeah, well, I mean, around Port Macquarie, you know, around the headlands, you're, you're probably looking at about eight to ten, maybe 15 metres, um, and then you've got fish rock, which, um, you know, which is off southwest rocks, um, fish rock, black rock, which is a lot deeper. But, um, yeah, it was just, um, you know, I was just at that depth for a little while and, and then, you know, just gradually worked up, up towards it. Okay, cool. All right, what was your first memorable fish that you took home? Um, it would have been a wahoo that I shot. Um, I was only diving for a couple of years, and um, before um, I had the chance to, you know, sort of get in the boat and hunt blue water. Mm. So I was out off, um, yeah, Southwest Rocks, and it was the last dive of the day. And um, as we were coming back in, there was a little patch of reef off Southwest Rocks, and that usually holds a, a lot of bait fish. And uh, as we were coming in, Andre was like, "Oh, we, we might just check this little bit of reef." So. Um, I didn't know what he was doing and we were sitting on the back of the boat and Andre was really good with landmarks and he was lining up and um, he was saying to the boat, keep going, keep going, just a little bit further, a little bit further and we had the flasher out the back of the boat and that was just spinning in the prop wash and um, I was sitting there, we had the float lines out and um, he was like, just wait, just wait, a little bit further, a little bit further and yep, righto, so we, we jumped off and as we jumped off, the prop wash cleared and there was three massive wahoo just sitting right underneath the prop wash just circling the flasher wow and i looked over at andre i was like and he already had the gun loaded like a three rubber gun and i was like oh i'm behind here i'm behind so he already bang he shot his wahoo he went went one direction and then i finally got my gun loaded and um this one wahoo was just circling the flasher and as i took a dive my mask half filled up with water (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh no so i had to get down and level out with the wahoo until the and then the water was just underneath my eyelids so i was just about able to make out the shot and yeah, yeah took the shot and um yeah hitting mid-body and yeah it turned out to be a good holding shot and then he just screamed he just um took off took all the floats out out, out towards um the ocean and um so i jumped back in the boat and um chased him down and but, yeah, for me, like to shoot a wahoo after a couple of years of diving, um, that was definitely my first memorable fish, for yeah. sure. How big did he go, mate? 20 kilos. Ooh. Oh, that's, yeah. a ni- that's a nice fish. Trick yeah. still hasn't joined the 20 kilo club, but that's <laughs> for another day. <laughs> oh, good one. Oh, you pulled mate. that out. I have actually <laughs> shot yeah. 20 kilo. I've got a yellow tail. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like to, to spear a fish like that, and, you know, they do come down this way, Southwest Rocks, but... Very rarely, you know, like you, you will get the odd one or two weeks where they'll, they'll run, but, um, you know, if you're lucky enough to get out there and get them, then yeah, you're doing well. Yeah, mate, I, I do have to clarify, I was a bit unfair there. Shrek actually did shoot a possible 20 kilo fish there like a couple of months ago. It was, a, it was a kingy, we never weighed it, who knows, but it, it was definitely nudging no, the It was bigger than turbo, but I mean, I mean, that could probably only be about 15 kilo, really. He's such a, he's such a weed. Mate, you are so jealous of my boyish figure. It's ridiculous. Anyway, 30 kilos ringing wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah like. mouthful of concrete. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on. All right, Travis, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us about a hunting technique that you use or you love or, or you've had great success with? Um, I definitely um, getting to the bottom uh, first. Like, you know, I, I really love the, the freediving side of spearfishing. And um, I, saw, I don't tend to spearfish until I get to the bottom 
and I um I, f- I feel that fish get a lot more attracted to your scents and if you're not out there to hunt fish like all the time and you know if you get on the bottom and then just let the fish come to you I've, I found that worked a, a really well mm. yeah. yeah just sort of just not not approaching the fish as aggressively and um, you know just just hitting the bottom just sitting down there like in, enjoying it and you know all the fish are, they're very inquisitive so if if you're not um, paying attention to them and then you hit the bottom that they'll definitely come in and, and check you out so um, especially with dew fish and stuff like that like I just enjoy yeah, just sitting on the bottom and just um, and just seeing them come to me mm. we're going to do a 101 episode soon where we talk about you know how to get um, better bottom time and you know lately we've talked to a few guys that you know they they call it you know I want to get to the bottom before I start hunting or you know a, yeah. sp- a speddo is what some of them call it um to get to get to the bottom Travis I mean you've, you've talked before about planning your dive really like looking down and really actually planning what you're going to do does yeah. that does that help you get to the bottom I mean how do you sort of what's your discipline when you're sitting you, you're laying on the surface breathing up how do you stay disciplined to sort of stick it out all the way to you get to the bottom before you start hunting? Yeah, well, it, it definitely, um, you know, it's, it definitely varies in, in depth. I mean, you're not going to sort of plan to get to the bottom if it's 40 metres deep or, you know, 50 metres deep. So just having that plan in the back of your mind. Okay. And, um, and I think it really helps for breath hold as well, like not trying to hunt fish all the time, you know, just, just let them come to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely has helped me over the years. That's for sure, and and just just waiting for that you know that shot you know um, that 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 good holding shot, um, earning trust with the fish is always good. You know, if if you don't make the shot, doesn't mean that fish is going to go away. You know, like he knows that, and he knows that you're there. He's going to get comfortable with you, and then um, you know, on the next dive, you know, he might come in closer and present that better shot for you to um, to land him. Yeah, cool. What? What would you say to a young guy that's listening to you and he's going, right, I want bottom time. How can I conserve oxygen and energy to improve it? What, what, are your, what do you do to improve your technique, like on the surface, on the way down? Well, I, I definitely um, encourage everyone to do a free diving course. That, that I've done the stage one and the stage two, which is awesome. I learned so much from it. Mm. Um, like having a good breathe up on the surface, like doubling your exhale, that, that's how I breathe up. Mm-hmm. So I'll um, I'll breathe in four seconds and then I'll breathe out eight. So always doubling the exhale. Yep. Um, but other guys are different. You know, it could be three or six or, or, or whatnot. And um, and just feeling relaxed um, on the surface and 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 being comfortable mm. in, in the environment that you're diving in um, always helps. We've talked to some really experienced guys, probably a bit like yourself, and relaxation seems to be this theme as well. And a lot of guys just can't seem to break it down, um, you know, into some sort of practical stuff because experience, uh, like relaxation, to me sounds like something that you only really develop with experience, like more and more. Have you got yeah. any? Have you got practical any practical sort of tips to help guys relax more while they're at the surface? Um, it's just being more comfortable in, in your environment, I guess. Um, you know, with the people around you. Yeah. Um, you know, just just doing your breathe up, um, have like a, a bit of a method that you do. Yeah. You know, when you get up the surface, you know, have your have your surface time interval, and um, you, you know, doing your breathe up. You know, if you, if you're gonna come up from the dive and then only take a couple of breaths and go back down, you're not gonna feel too comfortable, and 
Um, sure. Yeah, 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 no, that's good. It, awesome. it, it, it does take time. It does take time. Sure. Some guys are naturally, um, you know, talented at doing it, and other guys aren't. But. Shrek, Shrek actually, um, on the <laughs> way out, Here he's a big fan of yoga, and uh, he, he <laughs> loves to get in the downward dog pose on the way out, <laughs> which is good for him, but it makes everyone else very uncomfortable, yeah. particularly in like a tight wetsuit, maybe just a two mil in summer. Yeah, so oh, just a pair of undies. No, it works for him. It's really bad for me. So. <laughs> but yoga's great. Yoga's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to do um, hot yoga. Uh, uh, only, I've only done that once. But <laughs> <laughs> that was very candid. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, yoga's—it's really good. Like I used to do that a lot before I travelled overseas, um, just with your breathing and stuff as well, um, like knowing your body. Yeah. Uh, any, any, no. In all seriousness, seriousness, is there any particular kind of yoga that um, guys recommend or you recommend? Oh, no, nah, I used to do a bit of yin and yin, I think it was called, and um, it's a bit of slow and fast yoga, and yeah, just, just doing it all, it all helped, it was, um, it was quite good. You mentioned, uh, <laughs> you mentioned uh, knowing your body, um, Turbo knows his body pretty well, <laughs> like, uh, I don't think there's... There's people as well acquainted with their bodies as um, Turbo. Do you have to wear a Speedo when you do yoga? Because that's what Turbo told me. <laughs> no, nah, you just got to be comfortable. Oh, I guess. Cool. Well, I wasn't comfortable when he showed me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, I probably do it that way. Nah. nah, cool. All right. He's in the class, though. Eh? <laughs> well, this is well, private tuition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, good. Okay, so moving on. Um, scariest moment. What's the scariest moment you've had out spearfishing, and what did you learn from it? Uh, I've had a few, actually. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's hit them both. Well, hey? Let's hit them both. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I was talking about Southwest Rocks yeah, a few years ago and had um, yeah three tigers um, chase us out of the water. Yeah, me and Simon Ladder are out there, so it was sort of back-to-back and had our guns nosing off these sharks and well, lucky there was another boat out there that sort of, that picked us up so um it was a bit it was a fair swim offshore so that, that was one that that's always one that sort of comes first in my mind but definitely um um a blackie out that i had over in fiji that was probably the scariest moment um it was it was scary for myself but it was also um, a lot scarier for the person who who rescued me. That was Andre. Okay. Well. Um, yeah, it was. Oh, we we're getting filmed that day by Adventure Bound, and um, and we we're out there, and the cameraman sort of said, you know, like if a fish comes in, shoot it because we need to get a story started. We only had one day to one day to um, to film, sort of thing. So yeah, we we're out there, and it was like midday or maybe early afternoon, and I had one of those throw flashes, and I. I threw it and um, just waiting for it to get about 10, 15 metres. And as I took the dive, it was pretty shallow, the flasher, so I ended up going past it and I went down the bottom and sat on a big coral reef head. And I was sitting down there, I was feeling good, um, probably had about 10 or 15 seconds down the bottom and then decided to come back up. Uh, that's, where, that's where it all went wrong. I, I should have got the flasher um, before I went down. And as I turned... To find the flasher, I couldn't see it anywhere, and because of that um, vision in your goggles, I was looking around, and it was directly right on top of me. So just that 
corner of my goggles. I just, just couldn't see. Mm. So I probably spent an extra 10 or 15 seconds on the bottom. Um, finally got the flasher, put it in my um, weight belt. And at that stage, I was feeling fine. I was feeling fine. And we had another flasher set at 15 meters. And as I was coming up, um, I started to get contractions and everything in my stomach. And, and um, then this big Spanish came in. And I was like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, just get to the surface. And the contraction started to kick in a lot there. And I sort of, you know, felt a bit of pressure that day and, um, you know, just to get the story started. And um, anyway, he just come in too close, this Spanish, and I stopped. And it's another big thing I, I did wrong and, you know, something that other guys had told me, you know, like I, I should have known better. Mm. And I stopped, pulled the trigger, ended up shooting high, um, completely missed him. And then that was it. I was unconscious and um, wow. yeah. And um, luckily, um, I'm a very big believer in diving as a team. And the only reason why I'm still here today is because Andre was on top of me. Um, he knew that I was going to um, be pushing it. So before I took the shot, he was already on the way down to pull me back to the surface. And he got me back to the surface, uh, ripped my mask off my face, done everything he's meant to do. Um, tapping my face, blowing in my face, you know, and there was just no response. I was blue, not breathing. And there was nothing else more he could do than, um, so he put his left hand on the back of my shoulder and he started punching me in the heart, which brought on the convulsions. And then I started to fit and, um, and then I came back. Wow. That's, yeah. That's insane. So, um, it was something I, I don't wish, you know, for anyone to go through, but, the look on his face would be something I'll never forget. Wow. And and so when you come to, like we've talked to a few Sparrows now that have had significant blackout events, did you did you know what had happened? I knew exactly what happened. Oh, and wow. I, I grabbed Andre and I was like, it's all right, bro, it's all right, it's all right, calm down, calm down, calm down. And, you know, like he was still trying to hit me and I was, I was still awake. <laughs> and, yeah, it was, you know, you know, I just want to take the opportunity now to say, you know, my heart goes out to the family and friends that have lost, um, you know, loved ones to, to this accident. Yeah, but, um, yeah. you know, it can be easily, easily prevented. And, you know, if Andre wasn't there, you know, I wouldn't be here today, that's for sure. And, um, you know, if we do dive in a team environment, we can push ourselves. And, um, you know, if you do black out, if someone's there, it's, um, there's a very good chance that, you know, you'll be able to bring them back. But it's all about diving as a team. Travis, can I ask you a couple of questions? Um, what was the depth in which you lost consciousness? Uh, about eight meters. Eight meters, and if on and and what was the what was the depth underneath you? Um, it was a drop off, so it went from the the ledge was about thirty to forty meters, and then it dropped off to five hundred. Right, so if Andre, like, I just want to. See, you know, it's so serious. Like, if Andre hadn't had the foresight to realise that you're in trouble before you blacked out, would he? Would he? Would he? He and he and he had waited until you'd actually blacked out. Would have he been able to get to you before you started to slip away? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's something that you know, like the water over there was probably 40, 50 metres visibility. So he was right on top of me. He knew what was going on, mm. but um. You know, like the chances of blacking out at 30 or 40 metres of depth is, is really, really uncommon. So blacking out in that 15 to 10 metre range yeah, it, yeah. It, it mm. is common. So Yeah, 
what, what I'm getting at is if because you said you mentioned that he started his descent before you'd even taken the shot on the mackerel. Yeah, yeah, it was it was only probably a couple of seconds before. So I, I was at eight meters, you know, when I when I, I leveled out and took that shot. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. And and how was your weighting? Like, um, is that they say you should be what neutral at ten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was neutral at ten meters. Yeah. Um, I went to like a crucifix um, state, I guess, and um, you know I was just starting to level out and 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 um, you know slowly starting to sink back under. But mm. um, you know when I done my th- free dive course, I asked the teachers about it, and there's there's a valve in your throat that actually um, so your body knows that it black you black out underwater, and there's a valve in your throat that cuts off, and it doesn't let any water into your lungs. Um, but after a minute or so, it will slowly start to open up. And and that's where I got lucky because I was back on the surface. But you know, it could have been a different story if um, I had to have water on my lungs. That was a that was a really powerful story, Travis. Yes. Um, yeah. So there's a, there was a few things that went wrong, and uh, and a few things that you guys did right as well. To you know, yeah. e- even though the shit hit the fan, you you guys were well drilled, and and it didn't end up in worst case scenario. So there's a few, a few positives in it. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, you know, like the biggest thing was was coming home, and you know, like I, I wasn't going to tell anyone because I was quite embarrassed about it. But um, I actually spoke to Andre about it, and we wrote a two-page article in the International Freediver Magazine about it. And um, the story went for that long; it was issued it was issued over two issues. Mm. But um, you know, like I wanted to get out there, and I wanted to tell my story because it's happening too much in the yeah. and um, it needs something needs to be done about it. You know, yeah. like. You know, we've got to start leaving the ego at home and, and start, you know, appreciating each other and each other in the water and, and start diving together as a team and not looking at spearfishing as a, as a competition, you know, start enjoying it more and diving as a team and just enjoying the day out in the water and if you get a fish, it's a bonus. That's great. That's a great message, Travis. We, we, we've, we've interviewed a few people that have had blackouts now and you know, Ben Choi was a recent one, a, a, a quite a memorable one. Um, you know, and his video went viral, 120,000 people seen it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people criticized him with all the different things he did wrong. And, you know, you yeah. had a few shots at yourself today for what you kind of see right. as what went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But but bigger than all of that, and, you know, Ben Choi emphasized it was, you know, the biggest safety thing you have out in the water is your buddy. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. And if your mate dies, uh, you know, um, you, you know, like that's that'd be such a that'd such be such a life changing thing. So you know, um, big ups to Andre for being a good buddy, and um, mm. it makes me think about my own diving and how I can be a pretty shit buddy at times, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, so, so thanks for sharing your story. The, um, yeah, yeah. No we'll link up that uh, that video. Um, from that day, so it puts it put it yeah. it'll put into perspective what sort of because you actually film that drop off quite a bit in that um, in that yeah. video you can see how it just drops away. Yeah, it's quite a big drop off, and that day was unbelievable. You know, we um you know after after that happened, we you know started spearfishing again. I was I wasn't diving; I was on the flasher and and um, the burly man, but. Um, I thought you were going to stay. You started doing <laughs> fifty meter dive bombs, but uh... <laughs> I, I definitely didn't do any dives over two meters after that. You know, because your body's prone um, um, to blackout, and right. your body's blacked out at depth. So there's a big chance of that happening again. So that's why you shouldn't be back in the water. 
Yeah, we we haven't actually talked about the physiology of blackouts much. So, so uh, like when your body blacks out, you, you're nowhere near brain damage or anything like that. It's just like a safety cutout switch in your body. Yeah, yeah. it's just a lack of oxygen to your brain. Yeah, but it's it's not it's nowhere near at a level that it will sort of harm you. But um, it's just it's amazing how it works. And I mean, you learn all this stuff in a freediving course, so it's further impetus to to go and check one of those out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I encourage everyone to do their freediving course. It's definitely helped me over the years. G'day guys, if you're new to spearfishing, I highly recommend listening to our episode "Freediving for Spearfishing" with Pete Ryder. Pete uh, is an entrepreneur and an excellent freedive instructor, and he has come up with two great courses, the 10-meter freediver and the 5-minute freediver. I've used the 5-minute freediver to increase my bottom time. found it incredibly useful for my trip to the Coral Sea, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. His other course, the 10-meter freediver, is a great resource for those just starting out that literally want to get to 10 meters, and this course will help you learn proper breathing technique and some of the safety aspects associated with freediving. Use the code NOOPSPIRO to save 20% on all of Pete's courses. He's put together this deal just for listeners of the show. That's at howtofreedive.com. Use the code NOOPSPIRO. Yeah, let's move on. We're on to Veterans Vault. Veterans Vault. So this is the part of the show where we ask you, our special guest, to take us deep into an area of spearfishing expertise. So we've, we've arranged to talk with you um, about blue water equipment, and hopefully we can do a deep dive into that. So I sort of mentioned at the start of the show, you live next to Peter Kesby of Kes Guns, and you own Neptonics Australia, and um, they've got some unique kind of equipment that's geared towards blue water hunting. So look, let's do a deep dive into some of the equipment that's crucial for successful blue water hunting. Yeah, sure. I, I also read up in your bio somewhere that um, you've shot a 45 kilo yellowfin, a 40 kg AJ, a 40 kg AJ, a 27 kilo wahoo, an 81 kilo dog tooth, and a, a little blue marlin. I reckon is that right? Yeah, it's just yeah. a little fella, right? Eh? Just a little fella. <laughs> How many kgs was that? Uh, he went 220 kilos. Yeah, so just like me and turbo and another turbo <laughs> and another turbo, so. <laughs> the, the biggest fish I've ever seen underwater. They're bigger than any shark I've ever seen. Wow. How how, yeah. how long was that fish? Uh he was just under twelve foot. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, he's sitting on my wall at the moment. I end up getting him taxidermied, so the whole the whole fish? Yeah, I actually got the whole fish, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to waste the fish, so I rang a couple of taxidermists around the coast. And um, there was a guy down Newcastle, Glenn Stewart. He does some really good work, and um, I, I spoke to him about it. And he had a blue marlin that was two hundred sixteen kilos, so it was only four kilos difference. And you know, um, I'd done the short measurements on the fish, and they were exactly the same. So I was able to cut my fish up, and you know, it didn't go to waste. And um, and that's one thing I didn't want want to happen. And so yeah, the plan was just just to get the head done. So I went down there to have a meeting with him, but he he did have the full mold there. And I walked into the shed, and he had the full mold sitting there. And I was just like, oh, I'm getting the whole thing for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, it's cool like cool like a three quarter mold. So you get um, like probably seventy percent of the body. Okay. And the head um, comes off the wall at like a forty five degree angle. Oh, nice, sure. mate. Have you got that above the bed? Uh, it's pretty close <laughs> to my bedroom, yeah. I, I walk past it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, that'd be good for doing yoga poses under. <clears throat> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
I um I actually called Glenn up before the show and he told me that your your Marlin was two hundred and fifteen kg, but you threw some sinkers down its throat. So, yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, two hundred and twenty kilo, that's a huge fish, man. So I mean I, I wanted to mention some of the fish that you've shot, just to sort of so the audience knows kind of like um you know, you've you've had some significant blue water hunting experience um before we do a deep dive. So I mean so blue water hunting gear, so what what sort of um, float line and and floats are you using for most of your blue water hunting? Um, you, you definitely want um, really good stuff, I guess. Um, the stuff that we got has sixteen hundred pound spectra that runs through the middle of the float line, so it's super super strong. Um, all the rings have been actually welded; on it. they're not just like um, normal normal rings that are on your float lines. Um, like everything's like o- over the top, like um, r- really strong. So um, depending on what floats and that you want to use or what um, fish you're chasing, but you definitely want to have like set your float line to the depth that you're diving. If, if you're diving, say, 30 metres, um, you know, you, you don't want to – if the depth that you're diving is, say, 20 metres, you don't want to have a 30-metre float line. Okay. So you, you, want, you want to adjust your float line to the depth that you're diving. Okay. Um, that's only over over reef, but obviously chasing big pelagic species that are out in the open, um, you can definitely um, they've got that room to run, so okay. you give them that room to run. So what you're saying is, like, if you're chasing dogtooth and you're in 25 meters, and you know you, you're diving with a like a 40 meter float line or something, like a hard running doggy will just take your yeah. float line into the reef and just destroy it. Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely want to stop those doggies as as soon as you can, especially if it's shallow ground. Um, yeah, you, you want to keep them off the bottom, and you know, keep in mind that you've got your shooting line. So on on my guns, I've got four wraps, four wraps of cable. So it's um, the five rubber, you know, Kez gun that we use um, has got a potential to shoot ten meters. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's another ten meters of of like nine ten meters of cable that also. Is added onto your float line. Okay, I want to stick with float lines and for a little while and floats. So, yeah. if you're just chasing wahoo and some of the, like maybe uh, mackerel and things like that, what would you? What float and float line would you use? Um, I'd probably just use like a thirty meter float line, um, yeah. to just a one um, one float, like a infl- inflatable float. Depending on how how big the fish is, um, you know, usually your, your mackerel and your your wahoo sort of stay on the surface. If they do make a dive, then you know, uh, it's it's going to take a lot for a fish to pull a big float under. Yeah. Um, but bungee is great. Okay. You know, like it, it's bungee is bungee is really really good. But you got to you got to you got to um, know that it works both ways. So. It ties the fish out, but it also ties you out. Okay. So if you know, if I was running a setup, I would have my like say thirty meters of hard line to your bungee and then to your float. So if you're fighting the fish and it takes all the bungee, mm. then you can you can pull yourself along the bungee, um, grab the float line, and then it's all hard line from there. So it um, then you can be able to get your breath back before you're able to go down and kill the fish. Okay. Um, but the we also sell the um, uh, float line clutch, which which works really well. Okay. Um, so what happens there is you you shark clip your um, your 
um, your float line to your float and then you also thread the uh, float line clutch through the um, over the top of the float line. So the, the material used in the float line, uh, in the clutch, is sort of like a one-way resistance. Okay. So, so, so you can pull your um, float um, further and further along the rig and which if the fish takes, if you've got say 30 metres of float line and then you pull that clutch to say 15 metres, when that fish takes another run, it's only going to pull 15 metres of float line. Okay. So yeah. it, it shortens that gap between the fish and the float. Okay. Well, All right. Just in that, that clap, sorry, is that when you say it's going to run 15 metres, is it, is it like a drag system? Is it? No, it's not a drag system. It's, um, it's just like a, another attachment that goes over the top of your float. So when the fish runs, the, the fabric clamps down on top of the float line mm-hmm. and, it, and it stops that float from going any further. Works kind of like a slip knot. Is yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah, 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 and, uh, and, and then you can pull that clutch closer and closer to the fish. Yeah, um, you know you can get you know pretty close to it. Um, so, so like you, you, sorry, you could pull a dog tooth up and like say you've you've been wrestling this thing for fifteen minutes or something, yeah. and you've 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 cinched your sort of your your clutch up so it's the fish can only run ten meters. Yeah, and then like yeah. so it goes for a big hard run and maybe it drags the float under a meter. But like when it sort of comes back up again, you can dive down, and the fish is only at ten meters. It's not going to run to thirty again. So you can yeah, slip a hand in the gills, and away you go. So yeah. So that'd be really good when the like like other types of tuna go dinner plate on you, and they're doing those big circles underneath, <laughs> and they're quite heavy. You yeah, can just yeah, start yeah, winching yeah. them up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like a winch system, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, if that fish does take the other run, like all that hard work that you've just done to pull in that twenty meters. You know, and then it takes another run, goes back out to thirty, then you're back to square dot again. And if you've got a really, really good holding shot on a fish, you you, you could probably cinch that up so it could only run 10, 15 meters, and then let your float do the resistance work for it. Yep, yep, that's right. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm starting to get a good idea of it. We, we, we'll try and link a picture of that maybe up in the show you notes. You've just got to start shooting fish over 20 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, look, let's just hold off, all right? I'm too busy doing podcasts to get it's out to the moment. Okay, so, all right, we've talked about float lines, floats, and float lines in this float line clutch idea. Um, what gun clips and sort of things that are people getting wrong like I've, we've talked to some blue water guys before and you know like one thing that stuck in my memory is this term point of failure so like can you walk us through sort of you know a gun and some of the points of failure on your blue line setup your, your blue water setup yeah well you know like you definitely want to know your gun before you travel or, or go overseas and um you've you got to um, set it up with the right equipment to take you know you've got to you got to adjust all your float lines to suit that sort of fish um, you know, you don't want to go over there with a single rubber, you know, going with a, a 20 meter float line and, you know, expect to shoot anything. But, um, you know, having a good setup, knowing your rig is, is very important. Um, I always double crimp all my cable. So it's just that extra security. Yep. Um, if there's any signs of rust, um, like in your cable or in your slip tip, um, you know, you need to replace it. It's just, I've, I've shot so many fish and, and I've lost them just to just to um, gear failure. Mm. Um, you know, like you, all, all your guns. You know, I'm using like a five rubber Peter Kesby, um, the Rome gun, yep. at the moment, and um, yeah, it's great. Like I, I, I know it well. Um, I actually 
um, I took it for a swim and I had to fill it with weight so just to get it down, just to get a bit more balanced and, and you know, and then I was happy to take it overseas and um, happy to use it. So I read a bit about the Rome gun. So you, you helped Peter develop that, did you? And um, Yeah. It's yeah. got some add-ons, some wings, so you can power it up. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I wanted to, like I've done a lot of traveling overseas and, you know, when you do travel, you're, you're taking like a minimum of two guns, you know, maybe three. So I, I sat down with Peter and we had a bit of a meeting about it and wanted to work out a, a, um, a gun that you could just use, um, you know, and just take the one gun overseas. So the Rome gun is, it, it is quite a big gun, um, but it has all a different wings attachment and there's opportunities where you can um, put more or take rubber out and replace the the shaft thickness so you can run anything from an eight mil to a 10 mil shaft um run anything to five to six rubbers down to two okay um the the wing kits are all um they're just bolted on so yep. there's like sex screws that that go through the wing kits and then they just bolt on so you know if, if you go to a trip and then you know you're out shooting you know spanish or jobfish or you know large reef species you know you could just have the roam gun without any wing kits Mm-hmm. Um, have like twin or three rubbers with an eight mil shaft. Um, you know, you can shoot them all day. Then you know, if something comes up and you're going to go chase dog tooth or you know other types of tuna, then um, you can sit down that night, bolt the wing kit onto it, put a heavier shaft in it, um, rig it up with cable, and then you're good to go. Right, eh? So, so that gun, like, you'd have to have a heavy, heavy grade mech in that to to be able to deal with. That's kind of the pounds per square inch five or six rubbers are going to put on it. Well, I mean, what is that thing? Yeah, well, it's a tuna mech that we sell here at Neptonics. Okay. Um, yeah, they are very well rated. Um, they're a very good mechanism. Like when you click the shaft in, it just clonk, just just drops straight into it. And they're quite heavy just to hold in your hand. And, um, yeah, we haven't had any, any dramas. Okay. Them at all. You've mentioned stainless cable a couple of times. Um what, how, how does that work? What, where, where are you using stainless cable in your in your rig? Oh, I use it for all my bigger pelagic fish. Okay. Um, so, f- sorry, does that go from the shaft to the gun or? Yeah, yeah. So that's just your shooting line. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. The cable. So, um, uh, yeah, we sell like four hundred and eighty pound cable, which is quite popular with um, a lot of guys that are travelling overseas. Um, I I do recommend to double crimp. It's just that um, peace of mind and that double security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we sell the bare stuff, but also we sell the coated um, cable, which is um, sort of protects it a bit more. Um, it holds its memory yeah. a, a lot better, and um, it, it does last longer. So what? What? Um, so what, what's the breaking strain on that? Four hundred eighty pounds. Four eighty pound. And what's um, standard sort of jinko and nylon? Uh, four hundred. 400, yeah, yeah like three, three, four hundred, and so, so it must it's just, be. It's just the, um, it's just more the resistance, and um, and when the cable, because you know, obviously, dog tooth, they're just going to go straight to the bottom and wrap you up on the reef. So, yeah. as soon as mono hits the reef, bang, she's gone. Oh, but yeah. but cable, it will hold. What are some of the other dirty fighters that that gear would be good for? Dirty fighting fish, I mean. Oh well, I mean. You know, I don't know guys over in the states are using for the, um, you know, the Cubera snapper. Okay. Um, you know, I've I've used it on Jewfish around home here. Yep. Yeah. So um, sure. yeah, any dirty fighters around, you know, big coral heads and 
and reefs towards good. What, what about yellowfin tuna? I mean, you've shot a forty-five kg one. Are they dirty fighters? No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. They're just they're more endurance for yellowfin tuna, and and where we were in Panama, it was very deep, so there was no risk of them running into reef or or anything like that. So, so what? You know, we, we, we were shooting them in twenty, thirty meters of water. Okay, and um, yeah, I think the depth was like two hundred or something. So, oh wow. So what? Yeah. What's the um, floats you're using on a fish like that? Um, mostly all bungee and just we're just using one um, two atmosphere float. Okay. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's so much stretch in that bungee before it, it does pull the float under. You know, there's a hundred foot of bungee. It's got to stretch to three hundred feet before it goes under. So it's um it's a good way to slow the fish up. But yeah, it sounds like a smart way to fight them too. Like, I mean, we, we've interviewed another mate, yours, Jager from Freedive Fiji. Yeah, he he, he uses a fairly baseline sort of um, dog tooth setup. From memory, it was um, he uses a single atmosphere. Now, most of the times, is sort of his go-to gear. But um, yeah, it's interesting to hear a lot of the crossovers and the way you guys are sort of setting up. So it's cool. Yeah, it's been great. Like, you know, just I've been traveling for now, you know, for the last seven years, and the people you meet you know, while you travel and, you know, you get to pick their brains about things and you just learn so much. Like, you know, some of my best mates now are guys that I met overseas mm. and, um, you know, you just get to share the same love that you're, you know, that you're overseas to do and, yeah. um, you know, you can meet up with different guys all around the world and it's, um, I've learned so much. Like every trip that I do, I, I always learn something, always yeah. come home with something. Yeah, we actually found you out of an article. You really come onto the radar when we read the latest IFSN magazine. There's a big article you wrote in there, and yeah. um, it's got some of your world travels in it, and you, you dive with San Diego divers and people from all over the joint. And um, yeah, I mean, we 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 experience a lot of it through through the podcast. We get to talk to people from all over the place, and uh, it's a it's a it's a great way to kind of go about learning, isn't it? Because spearfishing seems to be like. Different people in different parts of the world and different experience levels have all got different things to hand on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it, you know, every area around the world is always different. You know, there's different setups, different fish species, different depths, different. You know, um, so yeah, traveling was definitely a big thing in in my spearfishing career, and um, just meeting all different people around the world, and you know, just getting to know them. And, yeah, it was good fun. Hmm. What's that? <clears throat> what other? What's, I wanted to ask, uh, okay. like, as you spoke earlier before, but what's in the uh, pipeline in terms of guns for you guys? Yeah. For, for Kez Beer Guns? Yeah. Well, we just finished the, the new double roller by Kez. Um, we haven't taken it for a swim yet, but um, he built me one last year that went really, really well. Um, so we just, yeah, just built a prototype at the moment and, um, yeah, just about to get that in the water and, and see how it goes. See, we've got to tweak it a little bit, but um, the double roller should definitely replace the the bigger tuna guns that we've got. Yeah, um, and yeah, should be able to land land hopefully the same fish that we shoot with the tuna guns. So, what are you what are you looking at there for in terms of range out of this thing? Like, how how long is this gun? This double roller? Uh, it's a thirteen fifty. Yep, thirteen fifty. So, um, yeah, the range should just be. Just be as good as the um, as the tuna guns. Yep, and and what's it? So, I mean, obviously you've gone to this effort for a reason. What's the advantage to the double roller config? Well, it's it's just the the bulkiness of the gun. Um, that, that's what we're trying to get away from. 
Um, yeah. You know, you've got the big wing kits and stuff, and sometimes it does, you know, get um, hard to swim with underwater. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guns are sort of, you know, with the big tuna guns, they've got to be at least six and a half kilos to be able to counteract the recoil um, that, you know, when they're fired. So, wow. um, you know, having a slimline gun like the double roller um, and also with the, with the mid-handles of the tuna guns, um, where your hand is placed, there's still 300 mil of gun that comes behind the handle. Mm-hmm. So from the handle to the end of the tuna gun is 1,200 so oh, nice. It, so you're really only shooting a, a 1,200 gun, if you know what I mean, because it's a mid-handle and the mech's been built into the gun at the back. Yeah. Mm. So, so that'll track nicer through the water as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're beautiful. Yeah, oh, but cool. with the roller guns, um, because um, the roller guns are rear-handled because there's no recoil um, in them. Um, they're a lot easier to shoot. Sweet. Awesome. All right. Um, have you got any more tips and advice for the aspiring blue water hunter? Just mainly just knowing your gear, um, make sure it's strong. Um, yeah, if there's anything that needs to be replaced, um, yeah, if there's any signs of rust or – and just mainly keeping your gear simple. Um, you know, like if you've got shark clips, um, you know, shackles or rings or anything like that. But the more stuff you have in your float line – is it more stuff that can break and more things that can go wrong? Yeah. So, do you use shark clips on your rigs? No, nah, just D shackles. Okay. Yeah, just all, all rated D shackles. By rated D shackles, are that they're marine grade yeah, um, stainless? Grade. Stainless, yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. All right, well, I have to get on and have a look at some of the stuff. So, I mean, we've talked about a few bits and pieces today. A lot of it's on Neptonics. Um, there's other brands making similar stuff, though, but um, it'll be good to sort of link up a few of the photos and stuff of some of the equipment you've got going over there. Today's Veterans Vault was brought to you in partnership with Penetrator Fins. Spearfishing is all about self-improvement, but there are some things you can buy off the shelf that are going to help you with your diving. Penetrator blades are lighter and more reactive and they've improved my diving, and I'm sure they're going to improve yours. Yeah, I've recently switched over to Penetrator Carbons, and it's made a big difference for me. I put much less energy in and get a much greater output, meaning that they're an effective fin. They're lightweight and comfortable, meaning that I spend more time on the bottom. So check out Penetrator Blades at penetrator.com, or check out our new Noob Spear Edition Penetrator Blade at noobspear.com. All right, anything else for Veterans Vault, Trev? Any more parting comments for Blue Water... Equipment. Mate, how can uh, how can Shrek get over the twenty kg mark this, um, this winter? <laughs> what can he do, mate? I wanted to ask, him, but I was just so shy. He actually just passed me a little note with that question on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a wanker! <laughs> no, mate. Come on, seriously. That was actually that was a serious question at some point. What's the um, what can he do? What can he do to? Uh, because what do we get in winter here? That's big, big kingies. We should get a few wahoo and big mackerel still kicking around. Yeah, it's a pretty geographic specific question. I think like what I got out of Travis talking was <laughs> get out and do some some travel as well if you want to chase some serious yeah. blue water species. And um, like and we talked with someone earlier, and they said you know like get out and do five or six days spearfishing, and you kind of you know like you, you're in the right place, you, you're going to get it, aren't you? So. Yeah. Um, I've got to spend some money. Might go to Fiji over winter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mate. You should get over and see Jager. He's um. We got to put a shake down on him. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, he's, he's a good bloke, Jager, and you know, he owns an awesome business. And um, yeah, he really knows his stuff, like not just spear fishing, you know, fishing as well, which um, which also is a big key to getting big fish. You know, just just knowing the water and knowing where to go, sort of thing. So mm. cool. Mm. All right, that was good. Thanks awesome. for that. Okay, right. So moving on. Funniest thing. What's the funniest thing you've experienced out spearfishing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't funny from my eyes, but it was funny from um, my um, good mate and, he, and my missus. <laughs> um, yeah, we're diving this headland um, around home, and um, I took. I'm starting to get me missus in the diving, so I took her out there just for a little swim, and uh, we went around this headland, and there's this uh, big sand edge. And um, you know it's a good time of year for cobia and stuff, and and uh, we come across these big um, two big stingrays. And I said to me missus, I said, "Oh, those stingrays—that's what cobia hang around." So I was showing her because you know they're beautiful creatures; they're so so big. Anyway, I said to me mate, I put my head up to the water. I said, "Oh, Simon, there's um there's two big rays down here." And he said, "No, there's three. And I was like, three? So I was looking down, and I was trying to find the third one. Anyway, about two seconds later, I looked over Simon. He's just shot this massive cobe, and um, <laughs> he's he just he's just getting towed around. And, and you know, I was sort of taking taking care of me, me chick as well while I was out there. And and then um, so there was another two cobe with it, and I was on the surface looking down. So as I made the dive, I looked at Simon's cobe, and it was trying to get shelter underneath the ray, and it's it was trying to nestle in underneath it. Anyway, it's just just took off this big ray and. And it's gone down underneath the other one, and that was sort of all happening behind me. Anyway, so I got down to the bottom. I was sitting on the bottom waiting for this other cove to come in. He was doing a big loop around me. Anyway, I was just about to pull the trigger. I was just waiting to come that little bit closer. And next thing, bang! Simon's cove come over and headbutted my leg. <laughs> it tried to get up underneath me. <laughs> <laughs> it honestly scared the shit out of me. I thought it was a big bull shark just took my leg off. And, uh, and yeah, as I, as I turned around and swam up the surface, yeah, Mrs. and mate was just on the, they were just cacking up on the surface. You were the, you were the mothership. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too funny for me, but um, yeah, we ended up getting him in and went 36 kilos. So. Oh, yeah. nice. Good fish. Yeah, it was, it was a nice fish, but it wasn't funny through my eyes, <laughs> but uh, certainly funny through theirs. Did you eat any of that fish? Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we were camping at the time, and yeah, it fed the whole campsite. So, and um, I've heard they taste good even when they're huge like that. that yeah. Oh yeah, they're great. Yeah, cobia. They're one of my favourite eating fish for sure. Yeah, cool. Good All stuff. right. Well, eh? So always front and centre for me, you know, food aspect. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, look, if um, if you if you were going to ask our listeners to sort of take an action, um, what would that be? Um, oh, well, definitely. If if anyone needs advice, or you know, for blue water hunting, or you know, gear set up, you know, if they've got a trip coming up, they want to have a chat about, you know, what sort of water they're diving, fish they're going to be chasing. You know, I'm happy to help out. Um, yeah, my business is naptonics.com.au, yep. and all my contact details are on there. All right, and we'll we'll circle back and do the part of the show we we're meant to do. I think we we're meant to do. Uh, <laughs> What's in your dive bag? <laughs> uh, so we missed two. So uh, yeah, mate, run us run us through your dive bag. The, our anchor's lost it. Um, so he's had one one glass. I was distracted, of, uh, and I've like I've my back's getting sore from carrying turbo. So I mean, you can understand, Travis. So oh, yeah, yeah. 
So what's in your dive bag? Head to toe, what equipment are you using on normal day-to-day spearfishing? Lucky I'm here. Oh, mate, just a trusty old Kez gun. Yeah. Yep. She's, yep. Um, she's always a, a trusty old bit of weapon. <laughs> um, you know, you can always rely on it. And um, no, she, She's a good gun. Um, yeah, just mainly um, I, I do run um, reels on the Kez guns now. Yeah. Um, and also a belt reel, like just, just for this time of year okay. around um, – Around where I'm from, but dare I ask who who makes your reels, mate? Your real guns. Uh the real guns. Oh, yeah, the no, reels. Your reels. Reels on the guns. Oh, mate. Paxman. Yeah. So you yeah. got Aussie reels on them. Yeah, Aussie reels. Yeah, they're um, that's just another thing. They're they're simple and strong, and you just can't can't fault them. Yep, and that's so, a barracuda style yeah, Aussie reel yeah, on your kiss. Just, just a woody reel that's mm-hmm. just um yeah, screwed on and. We've also, um, at Neptonics, we sell like a belt reel plate. So it's a universal plate that goes onto your weight belt and it's also got a quick release. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so you can put any reel you want on it. There's there's heaps of like Ulu Sub, um, Aussie reels. Um, Hammer so Yeah, yeah, um, Rabbit Tech, all that sort of stuff. So Cool, cool. Yeah, you can just, just bolt your um, preferred reel onto that and then um, it just clips on your weight belt and it's also a quick release, you know, if it, if the fish is spooling you, you can attach it and then um, just pull the clip up and it, off she comes. All right. And I was down your way a while ago shore diving and I was only using a 3.5mm wetsuit. What, what wetsuit are you running? Yeah, I'm running – I'm pretty good in um, cold water. I don't really feel the cold like some of my mates, but I've got a 2.5mm top, a hammerhead top and, a, um, and just some uh, 1.5mm bottoms. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. My fins are um, carbon Kevlar. Um, yeah, I love them. They're, they're special fins. Yeah. Who makes those? Uh, special fins. <laughs> oh, special fins. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right. I, I oh, thought yeah. you said they are special fins. I was yeah. like, I never heard of them before. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mine, are, mine are special too. Yeah, mine <laughs> are special too. But <laughs> they're funny. actually um, like I was always using the the big uh, dive R's, but. These ones are a lot shorter. They're about 150 mil shorter. Um, they're about an inch wider. Um, yeah, I was I was really worried when I first put them on because I thought that me um my feet were going to click like as I was making a dive. But yeah, they sort of sort themselves out and they're they're really powerful flipper. So they're soft. Uh... Yeah, like a sort of a medium blade, like the carbon Kevlar. Right, cool. and uh, and just an idea. What uh, how how much do you weigh? Like how big are you if you're using a sort uh, of softer fin? Oh, I'm 86 kilos. Yeah. 86 kilo. It's like yeah. two two turbos. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm three and a half, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, all right, any other sort of noteworthy equipment you're using, Trev, that you wanted to mention? Oh, mate, I've, I've stuck with the same stuff for many years. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I just sort of stick with my guns and, um, yeah, everything seems to work. So Cool. Good stuff. All right. Right. A, a, a good mask is always good. I, I run the Omar um, Aliens. Yep. And um, yeah, I, I finally found that they were the mask for me. And yeah, when I, I did find out, I bought another two pairs just just to make sure that they don't yeah. sell out. <laughs> yeah, no, nice. That's a yeah, that's a great idea. You find one that works, and you just kind of stick with it. I, I'm one of those cheap, 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 the super cheap ones. I think they're forty buck jobs as they do me. So I've, yeah. I've, I've always got a couple of them in my dive bag. Yeah. Uh, it's um yeah, it's worth to spend that extra extra money to have that security, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, cool. 
That's about it. All right. So the next section, now that we're back on track, um, <laughs> is the fast five facts for noobs. So uh, five rapid fire pieces of advice for new Spiros. Fire and away. I, I believe we were going to do a blue water fast five with you, Trev. Yeah. Well, I thought I'd base um, the fast five facts on the blue water hunting. Oh, we haven't had this before. I'm looking forward to it. It's a... He's he's hijacked our segment and turned it into a themed segment. Yeah, uh, this, this is horrible, isn't it? No, like, no. Boys have taken over. No, no, it's the first bloke ever to prepare. We'll call <laughs> it. We'll call it something disparaging, like Corkins Corkins Fast Five or the. Yeah. I've got a question for you too after this. All right, kill done. Yeah, Go. No, he, no, he's single. He is. <laughs> he's single. <laughs> We've been talking about hot yoga. It's starting to get questionable, but um, all right. What's number one, Trev? Um, travel as much as you can. Um, that that was my biggest um, thing. Well, um, you know, the last seven years, you know, I've always had a trip lined up and meeting new people um, along the way. You know, you just um, getting that information from them and you know, just sharing that love and spearfishing. It's it really goes a long way. Um, awesome. You definitely progress um, when you when you're traveling overseas and um, just getting in that deeper, clearer water and building your confidence. It's it's great. Cool. All right, number two. Um, teamwork. Teamwork is another big thing, you know, not just from, um, you know, just being there for your buddy, but, you know, you can always, um, you've got the burly and, and flashes that yep. you can use. So, you know, I, I find that the three, um, the perfect um, amount of divers in the water would be three and rotate between the three of us. Um, have one blue water gun in the, in the water, have a backup gun, uh, a real, a real gun, so you can shoot bur- any burly that comes past and then have another guy on the flasher and the burly. Nice. So j- just burling and just getting that, that burly trail going, uh, working the flasher, and then the guy with the gun takes a dive and then everyone rotates. Okay. And no- that's another big thing is working together as a team. All right, so number three in Travis's slowest blue water fast five ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only happy three now. <laughs> All good. Uh, um, knowing where your float line is, that's another big thing. Um, before you take a shot, make sure you, it's behind you. Um, it's away from your body. Yep. <laughs> Usually in the blue water, we all run breakaway. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, like yep. a, a breakaway. So, cool. um, yeah, just make sure you know where it is, have it away from you and away from your limbs so you don't get caught up. Okay. All right, number four. <laughs> Simplify your gear. Um, to definitely have all simple gear. Um, remove all your your shark clips, and then just have like the less the less things that can go wrong, the better. So um, yeah, definitely work towards that. Um, okay. Number five is it five now? Yep. Yeah. Mate. yeah. <laughs> um, and another big thing in blue water is just to relax. Um, don't don't pursue the, sh- the chase of the fish. If that fish is just out of distance, don't chase him, and just go back up, resurface, take another breath. If you don't make the shot, um, you've built trust with that fish and he will come back. Love it. That's good. Yeah. Number six? No, it's only five. Isn't it? Oh, you're only no. doing five. I thought you had hijacked it completely. Well, <laughs> set you up. That was good. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Uh, you're going to read those back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please? So um, Travis's, Travis's slow fa- uh, facts for blue water were travel as much as you can. Uh, number two, teamwork is crucial. There's numerous advantages. Number three was float line awareness, particularly with breakaways. 
Number four, simpleize. I like how you invented a word there. Simpleize your gear. So oh, it's not in the dictionary, mate. It's a word. <laughs> ah, nice. So I, I got like rem, remove points of failure. And number five was relax. Don't don't chase fish when they're out of range. Just resurface and like you, you've said it a few times. So you've built trust with the fish. That's sort of stuck out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it definitely um, it definitely works. That's for sure. So awesome, and uh, we got a call to action. Uh, <laughs> I mean, earlier we, we talked about they can come and visit you at Nep- Neptonics and fire, ask any more questions they have about blue water setups and and so on. Um, and and Peter Kesby's next door to you. He's made the Kes guns. Yep. Um, any other sort of uh, parting advice for our audience? Uh, well, you know, if if anyone's like keen to build their own gun, like we also sell like all gun building components as well. Like we've got about six different mechanisms. Um, you know, if, if you're pretty handy with your timber work, um, you know, you can come to us, buy your mechanism, buy your handle. Um, we've got a whole bunch of different handles as well. So, Have you got like a maybe a 1300 number that Turbo could ring? Because he's, like I said earlier, he's he's 20% through building a gun. It's been sitting there for a year. I was just wondering if he's got a phone number he can call and maybe you could just like crack a whip. <laughs> just say he gets moving. Sorry. 13, 1,300 Neptonics. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want my credit card now? Or? <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Trev. Um, had a good time. We got heaps out of that, um, particularly your Veterans Vault with the Blue Water Kit. Um, I, I'm inspired. I, I've wanted to go and do the free dive Fiji thing for a while as well. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah for sure. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks, oh, I've got a question for you guys. How did you get your name, Shrek and Turbo? Okay. So I'm not going to divulge more. I'm sure there's plenty of listeners out there that want to know. So at one stage, I was 137 kg, and uh, I was looking a little bit on the bulbous side, probably to put it politely, and uh, in a green, a bright green wetsuit, it was just something someone come up with me for. John, John Regan, if you know him on the Sunshine Coast, he uh, he named me that, and it, it was it was funny, so I went with it. And, and Turbo, um, my explanation for his name is, um, you know, of course, about his breath hold. Um, pigeon lungs is another expression we use to describe him. So, uh, which so, is, uh, yeah. So there goes our mystery. Just stuck, yeah. Sorry, boys, I've spoiled it for you. Yeah, oh, no, good. Can we, can we come up with a nickname for you now? Yeah, sure. Personally, I've got nothing. I don't know. You, you put us out on a limb there, and I, I've got nothing. I've got nothing funny, uh, <laughs> but I could come up with something. No, no, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Travis. And um, yeah, thanks, guys. Like you're doing a great job, and you know I've learnt so much from your other interviews. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big follower. And, yeah, so thanks for having me on your show. No, it's yeah, a pleasure. Bro. Awesome to have you, Trav. Thanks for coming on, mate. Stay on the line. We'll get our uh, producer. Thanks for listening guys We hope you enjoyed today's episode With Travis Corkin We had a blast get, like, Making it and uh, delivering it to you guys Our next episode is A 101 episode Caring for your cat So everything you need to know From gutting, bleeding, filleting keeping them chilled the whole lot it's a uh, it's a beginner's crash course in uh, making sure that you keep your fish fresh and process it properly so tune in next week guys and don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes <laughs> scumbag
Shrek, why don't you tell our listeners how they can save some money on spearfishing gear? Well, Adreno have partnered up with Noob Spiro to offer listeners $20 off all purchases over 200 bucks. And how do they take advantage of this deal, mate? Uh, listeners can use the code Noob Spiro at checkout online at spearfishing.com.au or they can use it in-store at the Brisbane or Sydney stores. Excellent. And that code is Noob Spiro. That's right, Noob Spiro.